This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Coastal Carolina and BYU comes down to the wire with one team remaining undefeated. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, talking high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you and made possible with the support of our great partners, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Also, you can interact with Prospects 101 during game day on social media at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For Kenny Pastel, I would like to get started right off the bat uh, with some notable scores. Big time, you know, the the top teams really took a hold of yesterday, and then we had some big upsets. So uh, first start off with Bama absolutely laying the hammer uh, to LSU 55-17. Texas A&M takes care of business against Auburn, 31-20. to Oklahoma State uh, loses and is upset by TCU, 29-22. to The Rice Owls upset Marshall, and Marshall lays a big goose egg, defeats number 20 Marshall, 20 to nothing. Akron, first win in 21 games, gets off the schneid by beating Bowling Green, 31-3. to Notre Dame takes care of business against a lowly Syracuse squad, 45-21. Uh, Florida takes care of Tennessee, 31-19 in that SEC East matchup. Indiana, the dream, can, the dream season continues as they beat Wisconsin, 14-6. UW upset by Stanford at home in what was an ugly game for the Huskies on defense, 31-26. Oregon also upset by Cal, 21 to 17. So two uh, the two of the three Pac-12 uh, rated teams get upset yesterday by conference foes. Clemson takes care of business, Virginia Tech, and in the game of the day, guys, BYU takes a game on a couple days' notice, flies across the country, and in my opinion, the best game of the season so far. 
Coastal Carolina hangs on to beat BYU 22-17. Fellas, what were your what is your reaction from what you saw yesterday? Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Gless. I think BYU Coastal's up there for game of the year. I mean, the only other game I could think of that was even close at this point is Clemson Notre Dame, but Clemson Notre Dame didn't have Trevor Lawrence in it. So I'm going to I'm going to lean BYU Coastal for game of the year. Look, hats off to BYU. You know, they say any team, any place, any time, and they caught a, a lot of undue flack for the whole mess that was the, the UW schedule where they looked like they backed out, but then it turns out they didn't because the Pac-12 wouldn't guarantee the game, et cetera. BYU takes the game on a day's notice, flies 2,200 miles across multiple time zones to play number 18 Coastal, and our boys, the Coastal Carolina Shant, clears, absolutely pull one out yesterday. I mean, what a finish. Reminiscent of Kevin Dyson coming up one yard short in the Super Bowl versus the greatest show on turf, the Rams. I mean, just a phenomenal game. Both teams were trading punches back and forth. It was an extremely chippy game. And Coastal just, you know, like, hey, in the words, in the words of Dante Hightower, Gless, they out-physicaled him. That's what they did. It was a great right. game. That's it was right. a great game for Coastal. And hopefully the, the, hopefully the playoff committee um, rewards them for it. The Pac-12 is imploding. They need USC to start hammering opponents. Um, you know, they, Oregon and Washington both losing to lowly Cal and Stanford yesterday. Rough games for the Pac-12 in general. Uh, Oregon is, is sliding fast. They've lost two in a row now. Um, it's not a good look. They need USC to really start hammering people and be that alpha team of the Pac-12. Uh, Devonta Smith, I, he's got my vote for Heisman. I mean, do uh, absolutely incredible season. They had 200 yards. He had 220 yards in like seven catches and three touchdowns before halftime yesterday. I mean, absolutely incredible. And maybe made the catch of the year in the back of the end zone. Like Odell Beckham-esque, one-handed, back of the end zone, gets two feet in. Like, incredible. Rice Owls, biggest point spread upset of the year so far in 2020. And, look, I said this on the group chat yesterday when we were texting about this. I really like their head coach, Mike Bloomgren. And I, I wish they didn't have as many games canceled as they had this year because they really started to turn it on at the end of last season. They started 0-9. They lost a couple heartbreakers. They played Wake Forest tough at the beginning of the season. They had a really competitive team. And then they won the last three games of the season last year. Do you know how hard it is for a team to start out 0-9 and and then much less compete but win the final three games of the season? Hats off to Bloomgren. They're 2-2. and I think he's going to turn this program around. I really do, at least to respectability anyway. And then my final, my final take, Tom Allen, head coach of Indiana, Jamie Chadwell, head coach of Coastal Carolina, they're basically cementing their cases for coach of the year. Like we talked about, Coastal's undefeated, going to be top 15 ranked, just beat a ranked BYU team. And Tom Allen continuing to win, beating a Big Ten opponent without Michael Penix. They're going to be ranked on the fringe top 10 without their starting quarterback. So hats off to both guys. They both would have my vote for coach of the year so far. Chance up, baby. Could you imagine having tickets? to that game, the Coastal Carolina versus Liberty game, and then come find out it gets canceled. He's like, oh, man, who are we going to schedule now? And then you got the best game of the year. Could you imagine yeah. also maybe being a fan that sold their ticket because you, you didn't know they are playing BYU? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but, Kenny, going back to Devontae Smith, I'm just looking at his stats right now. Through nine games, he has 80 receptions, over 1,300 yards. And what is it? How many touchdowns? 15, 15 touchdowns. Touchdowns. Who's Jamar Chase? This is Jamar Chase-esque right now. And people had Jamar Chase as a bona fide top five pick next year's draft. Listen, you've mentioned in the past, 
Devontae Smith might be better than Jamar Chase, and he might get drafted over Jamar Chase. I, uh, I, I think Devontae Smith's going to be the first he's going to be the first receiver taken just because his film is so good. And like we said, he's playing now. Jamar Chase is not playing. So Yep. Recency yeah. bias is real. Talk of, yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things I, I noticed yesterday was it was a bad day for the G5 programs. Teams like BYU, um, Marshall, teams like that, the guys that thought would be in the top 20, top 10, BYU, outside chance of possibly making the, the playoffs, crazy things happen. It was just a bad day for G5, and the cream rises to the top. The same program, same big-time SEC, Big 10, Big 12 programs, they continue to rise up in the top 10 rankings. And just less opportunity now with one week left, really, in the college football season for chaos to happen. The chances of Cincinnati now making it into the playoffs is very, very slim with Texas A&M winning yesterday, with the likes of Florida winning yesterday. So it's just one of those things, same story, new year. All these teams that we would like to see make the playoffs or be in the top 10, it's just less likely, and the, the cream rises to the top. Um, one other thing, dude, did you see Hendon Hooker doing, like, the icky shuffle on the sideline? The dude had, <laughs> like, the shakes. It was uncontrollable. He could not stop shaking. Uh, it looked like he was – I don't know. We were talking about off, offline. Like, he was the definition of being shook. Like, Clemson came in, shook him, and he could not physically stop shaking. And they pulled him at it. Pulled him. It was unbelievable. I, I've never seen that. And my 31 years of being on this earth, I've never seen a quarterback do that on the sideline. He had that tiger wild. fever pastel, that tiger fever he caught the right before fever. kickoff. <laughs> well, when I was at, when I was uh, coaching at South Lakes, he used to call it the bulldog fever whenever we played Westfield. Because all yeah. of a sudden, kids would get hurt. Oh, coach, I can't play this week. Pull my hammy. But the, the, the crazy part is, like, yeah, I get that. But he legitimately could not control his body. When the center hiked the ball, you could see him shaking before he even received the football. And that's why he fumbled it twice and Clemson took it to the house. Like, I just – it was like he was hyperventilating on the sideline. And then in the game, that's why they pulled him. Hey, man, uh, look, I, I, I will say it's also not a good look for Virginia Tech because their recruiting strategy is like bringing in guys from California and Texas, and then you watch what you'd be playing like in Blacksburg in December, and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to be that cold. Because <laughs> that's what he said in one of his podcasts right now is, he said he was too cold, and, and Fuente came out and said, like, yeah, uh, Hooker was cold. I'm not sure if there's anything else more significant with that, oh but we pulled him because he was cold for the most part. Now, that, yeah. that's yeah, not, not, not a good not a good look for having two recruits coming in the day of Clemson. Not a great not a great showing. By the way, if you're yeah. Hooker, why would you sign with Virginia Tech then? Go to Miami if you, if you're, if you don't like cold <laughs> weather. Yeah, I know. No kidding. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I – I had five here. First one, Alabama continues to make me look good. Um, so I, I'll pat myself on the back. I, I think I say it every podcast, but Alabama is going to have an asterisk by their name this year um, just because it's a COVID-stricken season. And it's just a weird year. Um, I, I don't think they're going to get to do they're, – they're not going to get the credit that I think they deserve. I mean, again, it's the best Alabama offense I've ever seen, and I don't even think it's close. And they just go and they blow out everyone and they've blown out everyone aside from Ole Miss um yeah Devontae Smith like I said he's for real Mac Jones the way he's distributing the ball is extremely impressive Najee Harris another three touchdown day yesterday are you kidding me Alabama is just I think it's Alabama and everyone else at this point uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama high step to another national championship this season uh the Pac-12 stunk yesterday coach and there's no way no way to no, no way about it no, no way to get around it 
Uh, UW had a chance to go into Oregon with a Fiesta Bowl on the line if they would win. Uh, but that is now gone because they lost to Stanford at home. They couldn't stop the run. And Stanford took control of that game early and often. UW did make a run at the end in the second half. But they just, they're just not good enough on offense yet. And a lot, a lot of that has to do, you know, as a UW fan, I, I will say I've been very underwhelmed at the offensive systems um, that they've put in place. I am not a fan of what Jim John Donovan is doing there, and I'm really not not a Dylan Morris guy either. So um, they stunk yesterday. Oregon also getting upset. I mean, it was the last time Oregon has had two Pac-12 losses. It's been it's been a minute. Um, you know, it's probably been since 2015 that they've had two conference losses. So um, that was an ugly loss at home to Cal. Um, like Kenny said. Pac-12 needs USC to, to win out here to kind of save face for the conference in this season. Um, Indiana, in my opinion, is one of the best stories of the year. They continue to beat big program after big program. They've beaten Penn State. Um, they beat Michigan. And now they've beaten Wisconsin, right? Those are the three, three of the four big powers. And they gave Ohio State all they could handle uh, when they played them a couple weeks ago. I love watching this team. I know Michael Penix isn't in there, and that kind of hurts their chances. But I tell you what, if Penix was in there and Indiana won out, I think it would be very hard to not include Indiana in the college football playoff. Um, and, and I believe that, unfortunately, because they lost it to Ohio State, they won't get that chance. But, um, you know, I, one, of the, one of the best stories this season. <clears throat> um, my next – thing is ugh like just ugh. texas a&m wins and they're one step closer to the college football playoff my opinion it's a bad look for college football if texas a&m is in there at the fourth spot but give credit where credit's due is they're taking care of business when they needed to take care of business uh yesterday i watched this game pretty closely again don't get me wrong texas a&m very talented football team but to me it's really hard to justify putting somebody in a college football playoff that doesn't even win their division. And that's exactly how it's going to turn out at Texas A&M. So we'll see what happens with the latest college football playoff rankings. And then, guys, I think this is well known, too. Ian Book is now the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. Think about that. A lot of wins and a, for a very storied program with a lot of really great players. I wouldn't say they have an incredible quarterback history. They have a decent one, though. And that Ian Book, out of all of those quarterbacks, is the winningest quarterback in, in Notre Dame history. And we talked about this on another podcast, Kenny, but I, I, I think Notre Dame gets a lot of slack. And I think people sleep on how good Notre Dame has been the past few years and how good Brian Kelly has been since he's been there. I think Dude. Brian Kelly's the, the second winning the second winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Dude, I've been I've been screaming it from the top of my lungs for years now that Brian Kelly should be in top five coaching consideration in the entire college football. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people remember. Like, and maybe they just chose to forget it. Remember who Notre Dame was before Brian Kelly got there? They fired their previous three coaches, which was Charlie Weiss, Tyrone Willingham, and Bob Davey. Like, they they had a they had a fifteen year stretch of being pretty mediocre, and he yeah. brought them back to prominence. So. Brian Kelly's won everywhere he's gone, and he's won big everywhere he's gone, including Notre Dame. So I, you don't have to twist my arm, Glass. I think he's a top five coach in the country. He might be a jerk, and I don't, I don't think he's a very likable person, 
but he's a top five coach. But he wins, and that's all that matters at this level, to be honest with you. So I, I agree, top five coach, but I will say I'm not going to be sold on Notre Dame until they win a playoff game or they beat Clemson in the ACC championship again. Because I think fair. every Notre Dame fan out there has a nasty taste in their in their mouth because they just I won't say can't win the big games they beat Clemson this year, but they just got smoked in the national championship a few years or you know ten years ago versus Alabama. That's and then fair. big games follow suit. They just always tend to get smoked when it really matters. So unless Ian Book and Notre Dame can Again, beat Clemson the ACC championship or win a playoff game, I will not be sold on them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. That's fair. Well, no argument. Kenny, why don't you get into some stock market risers? Again, these are prospects that really stood out yesterday here in week 14. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We might as well retitle this episode, Welcome to the Devonta Smith Show. Because this is probably, I think we're going to talk about him in every segment. But I look, he's my number one guy who helped the stock yesterday. I mean, like I said, the guy had 215 yards receiving, three touchdowns in the first half, like just cooking dudes. And if the game was any closer, he probably would have ended up with 400 yards receiving. But they ran the ball the entire second half. I mean, just absolutely incredible. He's already topped his numbers from last year. He's got 1,300 yards receiving, 15 touchdowns and 80 receptions, and he's done that in, like, four less games. He's on pace. Pastel brought up Jamar Chase. If they were playing a full season this year, he would lap Jamar Chase. He'd be close to 2,000 yards receiving 
and 25 touchdowns. Like, it's incredible what he's doing. And if he's not invited, which he probably won't be because it's a quarterback, running back driven award anymore, but he should be invited to the Heisman ceremony and he should be the number one receiver pick this year. Um, my next guy, really cool story out of Akron, Tayon Dollard, the running back. This is an absolute incredible start to the season. If not for Jarrett Patterson, he'd be the number he'd be the best running back in the MAC right now. He had 185 yards rushing yesterday, two touchdowns, and their first win, like Les said, in 24 games. A couple games ago, he had 202 yards rushing and four touchdowns. He's been over 160 yards rushing three times this year, and he's a junior college transfer. This is his first year playing in, in Division One football. He's a junior college transfer from Independence Community College, and the only other offer outside of Akron he had was at Stephen F. Austin. At six foot, 215 pounds, he runs tough. He runs behind his pads. I'm really excited to see this kid continue to grow. He's a junior. He's draft eligible, but I think if he stays in a the year he could work his way into being a top day two you know pick next year I'm really excited to watch this kid play some more uh my next guy Cameron Good uh defensive lineman or sorry um edge rusher at a cow what a what a great performance he had yesterday uh, a sack and a half a couple tackles for losses he you know he's got three and a half sacks on the year a couple forced fumbles he just looked explosive yesterday and Oregon has a really good offensive line that's what Oregon's known for. Mario Cristobal, Cristobal breeds dudes on the offensive line, and he made them look pretty average yesterday. I was I was really excited to see that because I wanted to see what he could do against top-level competition, and he showed that he can hang. So I think he did a lot to help his draft stock yesterday. Uh, my next guy is kind of a a a combo, and that is the that is the linebacking core for Colorado of Nate Landman and Carson Wells. What did those guys do yesterday? They had three or two and a half sacks and seven and a half tackles for losses to propel the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes to four and zero this season. By the way, it's crazy as it sounds, Colorado might win the Pac-12 this year, which is wild because everybody thought they were the worst team going into the, into the season in the Pac-12. But look, this isn't the first time these guys have done that. Carson Wells and Nate Landman are definitely making names this in, in this shortened season because they're just they're averaging double digit tackles, they're averaging multiple tackles for losses a game, they're averaging you know a multiple sacks per game. They've been incredible. What a what a great duo to have at linebacker, and it wouldn't shock me at all if both of these guys get drafted day two, maybe early day three, but both of them get drafted overall in the draft, which would be a feather in Colorado's cap. And then my final guy is Isaiah Thomas, defensive lineman from from um, uh, Oklahoma, two and a half sacks yesterday, a couple forced fumbles. He's got eight sacks on the season. Uh, he's even got a couple pass defended. I don't know if you saw this, but Oklahoma had like seven passes batted down at the line yesterday, and I think he had three of them. I mean, he was just all in Baylor's backfield yesterday. I was extremely impressed. I actually watched a lot of this game yesterday, and I thought he dominated from the opening snap. He's six five. 270 he's he's got room to get bigger he's got great hands Gless, if you watch his hands I loved watching his hands yesterday he just never had his hands in the wrong spot and was just it was just shedding blocks like a madman he played like his hair on it was like his hair is on fire really impressed with Isaiah Thomas I think he did a lot to help his draft stock Pastel what did you see yesterday dude I'm seeing kind of what you're talking about with Colorado I've been on Colorado really since week one when I saw them beat UCLA because I wasn't on them admittedly before the season, but when I saw them beat UCLA, I was like, this team has dudes on both sides of the football, like legit NFL talent. 
that, since that game, I have betted on them every single week to cover. What, what were they? They were uh, plus 11 this past week. Absurd. That, yep. they, that was the spread. And until yep. the betting lines get them straight, I'm going to continue to bet on Colorado. And to speak of that, Jarek Broussard, their running back yesterday, established his, his name on the map with 301 yards rushing. He now has four games over 120 yards. Like that's out, he's, They're 4-0 right now. Every single game, he has rushed for over 120 yards per game. Unbelievable what that kid's doing over there. Uh, speaking of unbelievable, and, and another sophomore, Jalen Wadamire, the Texas A&M tight end, he's probably their best football player on, on offense. And I know they got Spiller. Mm-hmm. I know he's a good running back. But that tight end is legit. I remember mm-hmm. before the season, you guys had him uh, in a mock draft, like going first, second round, not knowing he was a sophomore. He's a true it's, sophomore. Yeah. True sophomore. But this just goes to tell you how great this kid is. I mean, yesterday he had, what, eight receptions, 90 yards uh, receiving, and two touchdowns. Almost single-handedly beat Auburn by himself. Because like, I don't believe that was Kevin Mond. I think you give this kid a good quarterback, and this kid's probably one of the best tight ends in the country. So big game for him, big reason why they beat Auburn yesterday. And then my last guy, Trevin Mowbray, we've talked about him as, as well, the uh, TCU safety. This guy's establishing himself as one of the best safeties in college football. Like, bottom line, um, that win yesterday over Oklahoma State, it was really him. If you guys saw that ending – Oklahoma State was at the 10-yard line, should have won that football game, and people were talking trash to Mowbray. All Mowbray does was pick it off and steal the game and beat Oklahoma State yesterday. Such such an awesome ending. But this kid, if he's not a first-round, he's definitely a second-round talent. What about Kenny? You got any, any followers? Yeah. Um, so on the opposite end of the stock market, we got our shorts, man. I'm shorting the stock of Grant Wells, quarterback at Marshall. Woof, five picks yesterday, just a bad, bad game. And, and I know I praised Rice earlier. I, you know, I like what Bloomgren's doing down there. But, man, a quarterback hands you five interceptions, you know, you better win that game. And and, and they did. But uh, just a bad performance by Grant Wells. On a, on a otherwise good season. So, hopefully, it's just an aberration, just a, a Matt Corral type of game, if you will. And he'll be able to bounce back. My next guy who was actually on my prospect to watch list uh, on Wednesday is C.J. Verdell. Woof. What a bad game he had yesterday. Six carries for eight yards. He's completely been jumped on the depth chart by two other running backs. I mean, this was a guy we were talking about possibly going day two, early day two, as a running back prospect. I I think he's borderline undraftable at this point. His stock has just fallen off a cliff. And then my last guy is Armani Chapman, cornerback for Virginia Tech. Um, just, Just an absolute dreadful, forgettable day for him yesterday. I mean, he had a pick six fall in his lap. Trevor Lawrence got hit and threw the ball up in the air. This guy was right there waiting for it, dropped it, got burnt. Um, you know, I forget the guy's name, but it was a, a wide receiver I've never even heard of at Clemson, caught a 65-yard touchdown pass on him uh, that really broke the game open yesterday, uh, especially when Clemson was struggling offensively. And then, to me, look, I, I get it. We talked about this offline. Cornerbacks are prima donnas. But the guy was – they're down 38-10. to 10. He, he has a pass breakup. I'm okay with jumping up and giving the no-fly zone, even down 28 points. Like, that's fine. You're a man on man. You made a play. Good for you. Pound your chest a little bit. But then he, he jump ropes for 10 yards down the field, then turns around and double finger points and laughs at the receiver down 28. Like, dude, come get off the field. Are you kidding me? And then the next play, you can see the entire Clemson sideline huddled around him pointing at him and then pointing at the scoreboard. Armani Chapman, I wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole, dude. What a crappy game that guy had yesterday. You know it was that, an absolute embarrassment. You know who that receiver is, right? Cornell Powell. So he was about to make history yesterday 
being the first uh, receiver in Clemson history to have four 100-yard uh, games in a row. Now, he didn't make it. He was at 90, but he was 10 yards away. Isn't that unbelievable? After all the receivers Clemson has had, he was about to be the first one to have four games in a row with 100 yards. That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. Wild. That right? is crazy. By the way, speaking of that, did you hear Justin Ross might be able to play versus Notre Dame? Oh, they were so talking about that on the broadcast last night. That'd be wild. Awesome. Is that that would be wild. cool. That would be cool to see. Uh, so how about how about you? Who are some guys that you think really really hurt their draft stock yesterday? Uh, so Brady White, the quarterback from Memphis. You were the chosen one. You were supposed to come back and take Memphis to AAC championship. It wasn't supposed to be Cincinnati. Memphis, you were star-studded this year coming in. I know Gainwell left, but you were a fifth-year senior. You have now lost three games. Yesterday, you lost versus Tulane. You you had two interceptions versus them, only two TDs. Like, this is not the Memphis I thought they were supposed to be, and he is not the player I thought he was going to be. We're talking about him being, what, third, fourth, fifth-round pick? I don't know. I think he comes back next year for a sixth year if this year doesn't count. Like, he has not played well at all. So, Brady White, you're, you're falling in my eyes when it comes to the draft status. The next guy, we've kind of mentioned him previously, but Derek Stingley Jr. One, Devontae Smith completely made you look like a third-round pick yesterday. Like, And I know Devontae Smith makes everyone look like that, but Derek Stingley did not have a good football game. And I, we can probably say that now for a few football games with him. And I say his draft stock's fallen a little bit. And I say that in the sense of we thought he was the best defensive player in college football. Now, will he still be a top-ten pick? Most likely, absolutely, probably. But he's not a bona fide best defensive player in football now. And I don't know if he goes into next year as a junior with that status either. I mean, you can probably pick a few other corners at this point that are playing at the same level as him. So just not a good year for Derek Stingley. He needs to definitely hopefully improve in the offseason. I do think a little bit has to do with that defense being so bad. So there's a lot of pressure on one player to kind of take over. But he's not having a good year. So I think his his draft stock has fallen maybe outside the top three to top ten pick. It's the second year in a row that Devonta Smith has taken him to the woodshed because he did it last year several times uh, in that Alabama-LSU game that came down to the wire. I still still think Stingley's – he got – if you didn't watch the game yesterday, he got leg whipped on, like, the third play of the game and and missed, like, the entire first quarter because he could barely walk and then came back out in the field. And, then yeah, he got beaten like a drum. I, I don't know. I – I think there's more than just he played bad. I, I think he was. I think he's been banged up most of the year and just out there on a crappy defense. Yeah, I mean that defense is awful, and that pass defense especially is bad. And again, he go up against an Alabama offense like that. You know, they're just. I tell you he what, it had been it had been good to hit the over. Um, I know I took I, I know I took uh, Bamet. I took Bam at twenty nine and a half, and they they covered for me, so that was good. Um, all right, guys, let's get into my he stinks, coach. I got four of them. First one, Kenny already mentioned him. Grant Wells, you stink, coach. Five picks to Rice. The Rice Owls, you throw five picks. Marshall deserved to lose that game, and it was all squarely on Grant Wells' shoulders because he stinks. You know what else stinks? West Virginia's offense, specifically the rushing offense. 48 yards yesterday to Iowa State. That's bad. I mean, look, Iowa State runs this really unique hybrid three three five where they have all the secondary play. You gotta muster up better than forty eight yards rushing. That was a big reason why they got waxed yesterday by Iowa State. They West Virginia and offense kinda stinks and I, I kinda hope Neil Brown gets it turned around, at least on the offensive side. 
Oh, stinks. Duke's offense, 163 total yards against Miami. Uh, enough said. Ch- Chase Bryce is awful. He's terrible. He's shown it all year. That, that Clemson transfer, everybody's really hyped about it. And that guy's just another Duke quarterback aside from Daniel Jones. Uh, last, this one really stinks. You know who stinks? Navy's triple option offense mustered 126 total rushing yards yesterday. They were outrushed by Tulsa. I get it, Tulsa's ranked. Tulsa's really good. But when you run the ball basically every play, you have to be able to outrush your opponent. And they've been able to do that consistently for the last 15 years, and they weren't able to do it yesterday. Navy stinks on offense this year. So Hey, what 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 would you guys set the spread at Navy Army next week? The spreads haven't been announced yet. If you were setting the, the line for Navy Army next week, what's the, what's the line? I'd say Army minus eight. Mine's close. Mine'd be Army Army minus six. Well, I guess I'm going to take the middle because I had Army minus seven. So it sounds yeah. like we're all right around the same page. <laughs> but what's what's going to be interesting about that game is obviously it's a rivalry game. They both run the same offense. Blah blah blah. I've been blown away at how bad Navy's been on offense this year. Like they're bad. I mean, I think it's the third game in a row they've been held to single digits, scoring wise. Yeah, they got to hope Army doesn't get up quick because I think if Army gets up, you know, 14 or so, like pretty yeah. quickly, it might be a, it might be a runaway. It might be the a old runaway. option plug-and-play theory is going to hell, really, because they lost a Heisman type of quarterback last year, and that offense looks like a shell of what it was last year. Yeah, so. yeah, Malcolm Perry, a lot better than most people probably gave him credit for. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just, just watching the quarterback play there earlier this year against uh, Tulane, I was pretty shocked at how bad the – the quarterbacks were just in general from an athlete athletic standpoint. So and it is army Navy week. So let's go army. Let's go. That's right. Um, let's, uh, let's get into some rapid fire guys. Uh, current Heisman folk, Kenny. Devonta Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. I'm going Kyle Trask, but it's really going to come down to who wins Bama first Florida in an, in an SC championship. Yeah. No surprise here. I'm going Mac Jones here. He's putting up Joe Burrow esque numbers. So I'm going Mac Jones. Uh, first quarterback drafted after T. Law and Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, BYU. Same. Uh, that, that is consensus on this show. Uh, Zach Wilson be the third. Uh, guys, I love. I know they only scored 17 points yesterday, but I love this kid. I, I mean, he looks like Kyler Murray out there. The ball is out quick, out of his hand. Super athletic, can make plays down the field. He's got legs. If I'm the Washington football team, I am all about taking Zach Wilson. I, um, I he made a couple throws yesterday that made me go whoa. Those yeah. were like major league. They were like seventy yards at halftime. Yeah, thirty yard line to the end zone at halftime. Yeah, yeah, he's a dude, man. Uh, is Mac Jones a first round pick? In my opinion, no, but he will be a first rounder. But I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think he's right outside of it. But I wouldn't be shocked if a team like Cincinnati picks him for some quarterback insurance early day two or yeah, early day two. Uh, I'm going to go yes. Really a lot a lot of lines of what Kenny says. I think he'll be a first-round draft pick because there's so many teams that will draft one in this class. is ridiculous. I do think – I do put him a little bit ahead of Kyle Trask. So I do think he is a first-round draft pick. Um, first defensive player taken. Uh, Patrick Sertan, quarter, uh, cornerback, Alabama. I'm going to go Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. I'm going to go Patrick Sertan as well. Um Got films look too good to not be the first corner taken off the board. Uh, most overhyped first-round draft pick right now? 
Uh, Sean Wade, cornerback at, at Ohio State. I don't necessarily think that he's bad. I just don't think he's playing like a first-round pick, to be honest, all season. I, I think he's I think he's getting the benefit of the doubt at playing at quote-unquote DBU at Ohio State. But I, honestly, I, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I'd take him in the second. I've got Caleb Farley. And that's because I, because I think he's a good football player. I think he's a first-round type of talent. But he's like the one player I've seen rise in draft boards. It's like a top-ten mm-hmm. pick in the first corner. And he hasn't played all year. Like It is mind-blowing that people think he's the first corner and he hasn't played. Is a Caleb Folly for me? Yeah, I'm going Trey Lance here. I think he, yeah. Again, a lot of this has to do with the fact he's not playing, but the quarterback class looks so much better than it did with all these mock drafts that were out before the season that had Trey Lance as the third quarterback taken. Look, nice player, nice kid. I, I I've just never been on the train. I've just never been on the Trey Lance train at all. And I think that there's a lot better quarterbacks that you can take at that third or fourth slot, mainly being uh, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. So for him to be the third quarterback taken, I just don't think that's going to be the case. So I'm going him as my most overhyped first-round prospect. And then how about the most slept-on prospect right now? Yeah, for me, it's Hunter Long, uh, tight end at a Boston college. I, I know I've hyped him up on the podcast before, but guy's 6'5", 255 pounds. 57 catches, 685 yards, five touchdowns this season. A big reason why Boston College has been so competitive and why Phil Yurkovich has looked so well at quarterback this season. I think he's a guy who's going to end up being probably a second or third round pick. And and then, you know, we're going to look at him in the NFL and go, dude, where did this guy come from? He reminds me, he reminds me a lot of Greg Kittle. The way he just – the way he controls his body for such a big man and the way he can run routes – I think he's just really well. His weak spot is blocking, but you know what? At this level, a lot of guys just – a lot of teams will draft, like Cincinnati drafted Drew Sample a couple of years ago strictly to be a blocking tight end. You know, that's not really a liability at, at this point, in my opinion, anymore, unless you're a, pro- a projected first-round pick and you got to have that whole package. Yeah, I'm going to go with Quincy Roche. Someone needs to put some respect on this guy's name because I feel like, I feel like he's going to fall to a day-two pick, and it's a, it's a shame. Especially if you watched him play Duke yesterday, completely lit, lit them up. I think he had two sacks and three tackle for losses. Somebody needs to put some respect on Quincy Roche's name. I'm going Alex Leatherwood here. I, guys, I think he's quietly having one of the best seasons in college football from an offensive line perspective. Uh, he, I, in my opinion, he's going to be uh, a top 10 pick. And with the way he's playing and, and how much – you know, the big gaping holes that he's creating on that left side of the line. I think Alex Leatherwood is the most slept-on prospect right now. You know, everybody talks about Sewell, and rightfully so, but I think Leatherwood is equally just as competitive um, as far as, you know, his ability to play in the trenches and certainly his pass pros. So I like Alex Leatherwood there. I I think he's the most slept-on prospect in college football at the moment. As always, you can follow and interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, please also make sure you subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform in order to stay up to date with the show. Also, a five-star re- review is greatly appreciated. For Kenny, for Pastel, I'm Gless. We'll be back on Thursday morning to talk week 15.